There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. All human beings are on a quest for power. Does that sound believable to you? I believe you'll agree with me after I give you the information I have to share. At certain points in our lives, we all feel vulnerable or helpless, incapable or unworthy. A lot of negatives are churning and burning inside of us that make us feel like we lack power. We are powerless to control our lives, to control our future, to deal with our past. And we are on a quest for power to meet those needs as well as many others. This was really birthed in me, this concept, this idea, when I was pondering the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness recently. That's found in two places in the Bible, in Matthew and Luke. And we're going to focus on the Matthew account where Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the devil tempted him three times. And I want you to see the specifics, so I'm going to read it. After Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, then the tempter came to him. The devil is referred to as the tempter. He and all his subordinate demons function in that role which means to be seduced to commit evil or to do wrong. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, and he quoted out of Psalm 91, he shall give his angels charge over you to bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Notice Jesus conquered the devil the first time by quoting scripture. So the second time, the enemy thought that he would uh, seduce Jesus into accepting that temptation by attaching it to scripture. And sometimes the enemy will use scriptures out of the Bible to entrap people in false doctrine or false or wrong activities in their lives. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And the devil then, the third time, took him up into an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Satan, away with you, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And that's a pattern. Usually when you pass through a time of temptation successfully and overcome it, then heaven comes to your rescue and even angelic activity and angelic ministry in your life. 
because God compensates for the pain that you've just been through. But when I was meditating on this passage of Scripture recently, God impressed my mind with the understanding that each one of those areas dealt with a different kind of power. The enemy was tempting Jesus with regard to power over matter, changing rocks or stones into bread, power over the laws of nature, defying gravity, and then power over the world system, giving him all the kingdoms of the world under his charge, under his lordship, which uh, strangely is his destiny anyway. He will be lord over all the nations, but the enemy wanted him to attempt to do that ahead of time before it was the father's time when the plan of God would evolve to that point and do it a different way than God had designed. And that's a tactic of the enemy too, to get you ahead of God, where you attempt to do things within your own power or by satanic uh, aid or by some means other than what God would ordain. So there you have it, three areas of power that Jesus was tempted with. Power over matter, power over the laws of nature, and power over the world system. And that could have drawn him into satanic control, where the devil would have been the master of his will and subjected him to what the enemy wanted for his life. And he had to oppose that. I think it's important for us to see that in the New Testament, there's two primary words translated power. One is exousia, which means authority, and the other is dunamis, which means ability. And we need authority and ability to conquer the adversities of life, to overcome the temptations and trials that we face in life. Exousia is authority, dunamis is ability. Let me give you a scripture that Jesus gave his disciples. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, he mixed those two words. Now in the King James, it says, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And I believe that's symbolic language. Serpents strike with the mouth, scorpions strike with the tail. It speaks of future problems or past failures. But Jesus said, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, one time I prayed and I said, Lord, uh, I've been hurt by the trials of life. You said nothing would have power to hurt me. And I felt the Lord speak to my heart, and he said, none of those things had power to hurt you permanently. They just hurt you temporarily, but then God made all things to work together for your good and brought forth good out of those evil attacks on your life. And then I could see that, yes, we do have power over all the power of the enemy. But the first word translated power in the King James Version is exousia. The second word translated power is dunamis. Other versions say you shall have authority over all the power of the enemy. Authority trumps ability. Let me explain it to you this way. Just suppose some skinny little policeman, like a Barney Fife, is standing 
in an intersection because all the lights in a town have shut down and he has to direct traffic. And a big tractor trailer is rolling down the road. Now, that little Barney Fife type of sheriff or officer with a little badge on his chest will stick out his hand, commanding that trucker to stop his uh, big tractor trailer. The policeman has the authority, but he doesn't have the ability to stop the tractor trailer. But ability bows to authority. And Jesus said, I will give you authority over all the ability of the enemy. Satanic powers have the ability to deceive. They have the ability to mislead. They have the ability to put certain things on a person's life, especially if that person is not protected by a covenant relationship with God. But when you come into that kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have authority over that ability. And the enemy has to bow to the command, the authority of the word of God in your voice. Now, let me show you how carnal-minded people seek for power in three primary areas. And then how spiritual people seek for power. And then I'm going to bring it to a close. Carnal people want power to get money and possessions, number one. They want power to gratify fleshly desires, number two. Carnal-minded people also want power to attain positions of influence over others. Those are three main power grabs that people make or most people go after. Power to obtain possessions, power to gratify desires, and power to have influence over others. However, when you repent of your sins and yield your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and he becomes your Savior and your Lord. And it's important to have him filling both positions. Some people want him to be Savior but not to be Lord because they don't want to lose control of their lives. They don't want to lose power over their choices. But if you're going to get God's power, you've got to relinquish your power, the power over your own life, to him. Now, once you become a spiritual person, not a carnal person, you're not ruled by the soul uh, because to be sensual is sukekos. That's the Greek word for sensual in the Bible, and suke is soul. So a sukekos or a sensual person is a soul-controlled person. And the soul is the realm of the mind, will, and emotions. You're controlled by that fallen nature. But spiritual people are pneumaticos, which comes from pneuma. The word pneuma is translated spirit. And spiritual is a person who is drawn, controlled, guided by a regenerated spirit and God's spirit in you. That's what you want to be, spirit-led, not soul-governed. But if you are soul-governed, you get trapped in all these power grabs I mentioned a moment ago. If you're spiritual, then you want power in quite a few areas, power to understand the mysteries of life and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, power to rise above former defeats and recover from errors and sins and defeats in your life, power to escape guilt, power to overcome suffering, power to predict the future, power to overcome death, power to 
gain eternal life and power to become one with God. All of those are desires innate within human beings. And different religions offer different paths. And just to give you a very quick overview, for instance, in Hinduism, you have the eight limbs of yoga. Yoga means uh, to be yoked or to be one with God. And there are eight limbs of yoga that start out with yama, which is restraint, and nayama, which is devotion, and then uh, asanas, which are physical exercises, and pranayama, which are breathing exercises, leading all the way up to concentration, meditation, uh, all the way to the final goal, which is samadhi, liberation from this world, and oneness with the oversoul, which is envisioned by many Hindus, over 50% of Hindus believe ultimate reality is an impersonal force, a cosmic energy. And so can you see how in Hinduism, the goal is to have power to be released from the cycle of rebirths, power to become one with God, power to uh, achieve God consciousness, which is a conscious awareness that you are God. And all of those areas are false and deceptive acquisitions of power because it doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. In order to come into the power of God, well, Jesus told the disciples to go tarry in the upper room, and he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, you seek for power through various religions like Hinduism to achieve these kind of spiritual goals, but they're elusive, impossible to reach because all religion is man's effort to reach God. But Jesus is God's effort to reach man and empower man. God has given us power to do the things and attain the things that are most needy in life and in our journey through this world. Let me uh, mention Islam, for instance. Islam gives the path to power over this world so that you're prepared for paradise in the next world, or at least that's what they teach. And it's a, something called the five pillars of Islam. Number one is shahada, the daily profession of faith. And that is, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Number two is salat and that's making prayer toward Mecca five times a day. Number three is Ramadan. That's the month of fasting. Number four is Zakat, giving two and a half percent of your income to the poor, to charity, almsgiving. And then number five is Hajj, which is pilgrimage to Mecca at some point in your life. Those five steps supposedly give a person power to overcome this fallen state and to be prepared for the transition from time into eternity. And every religion has got some kind of promise of power. For instance, the, uh, the path of Buddhism is the eight steps that uh, Buddha gave that are, are referred to as the eightfold path, right knowledge, right thought, right speech, right conduct, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right meditation. Then you reach nirvana. Well, nirvana means blowing out like the blowing out of a candle. Think of that. Like the blowing out of a candle, it means cessation of personal existence. That wasn't power to become anything. That was power to become nothing. 
So all the promises of power in world religions do not work. But the one thing that will give you power is linking up with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I will give you authority over all the power of the enemy. What is your enemy? Sin is your enemy. Satan is your enemy. The flesh, the lower nature is your enemy. Death is your enemy. The grave is your enemy. All the demonic powers, Satan himself, these are your enemies. But you have authority. You have power over all the power of the enemy through the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, through his ascension. You can be ascended with Christ and seated with Christ in a position of power which is the throne of God. He said, if you overcome, you'll sit with me in my throne, which is a symbolic way of saying, I'll put you in a position of power and authority where your enemies are your footstool. Go God's way, choose the Bible's explanation of how to get power, and your quest for power will come to fulfillment. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shreve's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.